welcome to today's podcast. Today we're going to be talking about management techniques. In particular, we're going to look at corporate management techniques and why these can sometimes be tricky when applying them to the cleaning industry. So I'm Louise and I'm here with Diane Greenwood. Um, and I've got some good research, Diane, that I'm going to hit you with. And last week, you you decided to ask me about goals. So today, we're going to get your opinion on some management techniques. Fantastic. Looking forward to it, I think. <laughs> so how long have you had a cleaning business for, Diane? So it's 16 years this year. So this, this should be a doddle for you, shouldn't it? Absolutely. Especially as I've got a degree in, in business management as well. So, you know, I'm going to nail this. Ah, not. <laughs> So what I've done is I've gone on to a management site and we've got a list of 10 management, they're kind of guidelines rather than rules, strict rules. So I'm going to tell you how they say you should manage the company. And I would like you to tell me how that's going to work in reality, because they give vague guidelines and often these can be quite hard to apply. So our first one here is be consistent. So as a manager, you should be consistent. So consistency is key. Being consistent means rewarding the same good behaviors, discouraging the same bad behaviors and treating each member of your team equally. Successful mastery of this rule will ensure the success of most of the other rules. How consistent do you think you are? Actually, I like this as a number one rule. I like this because actually consistency in most things is key, isn't it? Where treating your team equally from a legal perspective is really important, but also from a team cohesion point of view, it's really important. Think of it as parenting. If you're not consistent as a parent, things can get out of balance. It's kind of the same with your team. I agree with this rule. I like it. You like it. It's hard, though. And, you know, this is where a lot of people come unstuck, because if you become an accidental business owner and these people are your friends or they become your friends because you're working one on one and gradually your team grows, it's really, really hard to stay out of everything and actually just be a consistent manager, isn't it? Especially if you're working alongside the team. Um, that can make it harder because you're part of the team and you're also managing the team. And that's a really fine line to balance. And certainly in the early days of my business, that was a big challenge for me was building relationships with my team. Absolutely. You want to build relationships with your team, but finding that balance when I was out cleaning kitchens with them all day and bathrooms with them all day of who was I working with the most? Was I creating issues with other team members by always going out with such and such a person? Yeah, it, it's hard. And did you give the best jobs to your favourite team members? I used to give the best jobs to myself. Yeah, absolutely. I'm <laughs> like, oh, I'll do that one today. And actually, <laughs> it's weird. The best jobs, what people viewed as the best jobs, I love ones where you make a real difference. And there's nothing yeah, I like too. less than perfect houses. Like, so... They'd often say I like looking at perfect houses, but when it comes to cleaning, I want to. I like I like cleaning kitchens. So for me, a really good, messy, untidy family kitchen that I can then leave in an amazing state is yeah, really satisfying. That's so. I'd always pick those ones, and everyone thought they were the worst. So I'd always give myself the worst jobs. <laughs> no. Okay, <yet>. number two, <laughs> and this follows on quite nicely: having clear, concise, and complete communication. Not as easy as you think, though, is it? No. And and actually what I found over the years is people that join my team have 
different experiences in the workplace and in the world and actually finding the communication methods that work for people as individuals is is key so it's it's great to have clear consistent communication and you do everything in the same way every time but you have to adapt to the people that you're talking to as well and I can remember you know I'd say I've got, I've got a degree in this I'm meant to know what I'm doing but actually the reality of how people communicate you have to re almost relearn that as a business owner I think yeah you don't get to like I was speaking to someone the other day and they were putting in a nice system and I know you use Podio don't you you can have a nice lovely CRM system but the reality is that doesn't work for a lot of people that it's just not their way of communicating so some people only want to text some people will only do phone calls some people don't pick up emails and some people want that friendly face and some people just want really clear this is what I want you to do so it's every part of communication that needs to be adapted yeah. And it doesn't mean that you can't kind of have rules of the game as to how you communicate as a team, you know, as in you know language that you might use or the way that you talk to people or communicate and, you know, sending text messages, making sure there's a please and a thank you on the, you know, and that sort of thing, because text particularly can be misunderstood. But yeah, you're right. You've got to adapt it. So you've kind of almost got to know your team in order to be able to adapt or you've just got to cover all bases with every team member. Um, just going off topic a second, as you know, I like to, you know, one of our rules is obviously the no swearing rule. Now, every company should have a no swearing rule, um, but people swear almost by accident. So, for example, they'll be telling their story about their dog and to emphasize their point, they'll say my F dog. And I'm like, you didn't need to tell us. You could have just told us your dog. Like, and, and so it's kind of getting across to people actually be aware of your communication as well. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, you, you, you lead by example when it when it comes to things like that. Um, and you've got to adapt your communication style to your team, but not to such a, an extent that you're kind of encouraging that because it's fine in the office. But I don't think it is. Well, it's not. But but, you know, in terms of it's not going to affect your business in the office in the same way as that's going to come out at a client's. If that's the culture, then that will inevitably come out in the wrong place. OK, right. Let's move on. Number three. OK. Set goals for the team. So I'm going to read this one to you. United we stand. Goal setting not only helps to ensure the success of a project, it also helps your team work together. When you set goals for the team, you generate creativity and collaboration, as well as a provide a unified focus and purpose. You apply that one, Diane. <laughs> Yeah, and that's probably, you know, that sort of, you know, management speak, if you like, um, that's probably one of the hardest things to apply in a cleaning business with your clean, we're talking about cleaning team here. And actually, you know, it's, it's about encouraging them to do the best that they can. And we have feedback systems that kind of we, we monitor their performance. But as for setting goals and targets, it can be quite intimidating. Yeah. And it's interesting because one of the things that I love most about the cleaning industry is when you do a job, you finish it and it's perfect. So we get that feeling of completion and success really, really often. So given that we're already getting that, how do you then set goals on top of completion? So it's right now you've got to complete it to a perfect level, but you are already supposed to complete it to a perfect level. So it's quite hard especially to do collaboration goals when a lot of people may be working alone as well. And so I think it is quite important to come up with things, but it can be a challenge because there aren't the team projects that a lot of other places might have. Yeah, and I, and I think this isn't just sort of related to cleaning teams either. I think that goals and targets can work really well for a sales team, 
a team that can be really motivating, but for other teams or administrators, that it can be demotivating. So it's finding the right balance. And it's the same with your cleaning team, I think, that you've got certain standards and this is the what we're you know aiming towards. But we can reward them when they go above and beyond. So maybe that's the, the way to look at it is rather what than about- setting them targets, you reward them. Employee of the month or week? Yeah, we do employee of the month, yeah. And we have annual um, an annual bonus scheme as well that rewards. Okay, liking that. Publicly recognise hard work. Yeah, I like this one. I'm a big believer in praise in public, give feedback in private. Um, and, you know, you can use social media to praise in public. Yeah, although lots of people don't want to be seen on social media, but yes. They don't have to be seen, but you can say fantastic work today Denise or fantastic work today Louise you know you can you can actually mention them without you know having a big picture of them or anything like that you can mention team members by name it's really good marketing from a client and new team member perspective but it's also a way of thanking your team okay you're gonna like this one Diane be the example oh yeah do you know what absolutely and and there's there's a lot of management around leadership um and around you know, do you leave from the front or do you leave from behind? <laughs> you know, and actually, I'm a big believer in kind of being the support for my team rather than the one at the front waving an umbrella saying, follow me. Um, I found that the technique that works is me setting the example right from the beginning. So let's just talk about this for a second. So you can lead by example. Um, so for example, if you show up late, your team will be less punctual and things like that. But the reality is a lot of people are going to interpret this one as be the example you get out and you do the best clean known to man. It's not not always as simple as that. Um, and I think, but I think in the early days, there's probably merit in demonstrating to your team how you want things done and that this is the best way of doing things that's leading by example from a cleaning perspective but really it's kind of setting like you said setting standards for yourself that you know you're a positive influence on your team so you know you don't talk about clients in a bad way and you know just really sort of being that positive influence I think is how you set an example so do you know one of the examples that they've brought up be responsible for your mistakes as business owners one of the things we want our staff to do is take responsibility for their mistakes but how often do we really fess up yeah and and i you know i i believe that if it's your business everything is your fault i know you've hit me with that one before diane i know know. (laughs) and we did a great little role play where everything was my fault but yes it is not there's nothing wrong with admitting to your member of staff actually i'm really sorry i may have caused this i didn't give you the key I did this. So, okay. Be transparent. Okay. That's a double-edged sword, isn't it? It is. And actually, this is a really interesting one that I think a lot of business owners struggle with. And I suppose in the cleaning industry, it's, you know, a lot of people won't tell their team what they charge, for instance. Um, And, you know, they're sort of worried about being that transparent. Um, But my thoughts are, as a business owner, what do you have to hide from anybody? It's a business. It's not your personal life. So it's an interesting one, this one, because, again, when we talk about sort of getting into management, it's about keeping those boundaries. So there are times when you can't share information because actually it would jeopardize relationships. Um, So it's kind of this is a balance because being transparent is not the only answer. It's give as much information that people need to do their job, be as open as possible. But you have to have boundaries in place. And so. You can't just summarize that in one word. I'm transparent. 
well, come on, we can't be. You have to be able to keep your emotions to yourself. If someone hacks you off, you can't just blow. You are going to have to internalize it. And so there are points where you're not being transparent. You are going, okay, just give me a few minutes and we'll still... You've sometimes got to protect other people in your business. So if a client makes a particular complaint about a particular team member, you have to protect the client as well as the team member's feelings. So sometimes you have to approach things in a not so transparent way, but you're just protecting people. Um, You know, you're not going to sort of say, Mrs. So-and-so said this about you. You're going to change the way that that message comes across to a way that helps everybody. But I would still deliver that message. Absolutely. But I wouldn't necessarily deliver it in a way that it was delivered to me. No, there are times when I have literally shared the message and let them see the original message. And there are times where I've given them a very much edited version. If the customer complains and they add too much emotion in there, I won't show it. If they complain very formally, you know, it's a quick text. I will show it. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I think transparency is a good sort of it's almost like a good rule to live by. But you've also got to take care, haven't you? Yes, we'll see about that one. Okay, you'll like this. So do you remember rule number one was be consistent? Yeah. Rule number seven, tailor your approach for individuals. (laughs) That's a nice conflict. Really big conflict. Do it the same every time, but change it for each person. Yeah. One size does not fit all. Yeah. And maybe that's the same, you know, because if I think about my clients, we have a system of cleaning. However, however, every client's home is different and we, we prioritize based on the client's home and needs so it's probably it's the same with your team really you've got that consistent message you've got consistent ways of dealing with certain things but you've also got to understand that they're a human being and an individual and actually you know if they need a 9 30 start instead of a 9 a.m start it's not too difficult to be flexible and to adapt to what they need what if they wanted 11 30 every single day and it was actually once or twice you go okay and it's every single day and then their partner wants it and then oh i've seen that they're having they're only working three days a week and you know it's being flexible within boundaries isn't it so um you know so like we like to be flexible but we won't have anybody work for us for less than two days a week for as an as an example because they just kind of don't really get into the swing of it if they don't work um two days a week or more that's a, we can be flexible, but we've got a boundary as well. We're four days a week, unless someone has worked with us for a long time. And for some reason they can go down to three days, um, but especially if they're doing a course or something. We're like, yeah. you know, we we agree with studying. Um, so that was, yeah, we wouldn't yeah. go down to two days. So anyway. you've got a ground rule, but you're flexible within that, but only up to a point. So, yeah. Okay. You'll like this one. Encourage opinions and ideas. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Diane, why do I get the feeling you don't encourage opinions tonight? You've done this, haven't you? Yeah, actually, actually, we haven't done it for a long time now. And I apologize to my team if any of you are listening. But um, yeah, we've 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 had feedback from team and, and we've done all sorts of various um, sort of trialing things over the years. We do actually encourage ideas and things, but I don't encourage complaints and I don't encourage kind of problems and what I like to do with my team whether they're a management team or whether they're cleaning team is if something's not working quite right then absolutely we want to know about it but we also want to know your ideas for how you could resolve it Um, and we like although we like to do everything within boundaries we don't like people to change things on their own without sort of like talking to us about it if somebody's got a great idea I want it to roll it out across the whole team so we are open but yes with those boundaries again isn't it and I just don't want a whinge fest I want people to bring me ideas and suggestions rather than complaints 
Okay, so really open to it then. <laughs> well, no, as an example, for instance, um, you know, around sort of traveling and mileage, you know, it, it's sort of like, you know, or why does the schedule keep changing or, you know, this sort of thing. So they're often, they're a challenge for our team and they're a challenge for us as a management team. But the reality is that particularly schedule changes, I can't fix it. So it's, yeah, just sort of make. Do you know what we did? Um, we did, we put in a feedback box and we gave everyone a week to put in um, their ideas and suggestions. We called it feedback, but it was a closed box. It was all anonymous. And then we went through, we took all of them out. And I think we had about 15 suggestions and things in there. And we addressed, and unless there was a reason to actively not do those 15 things, we actually implemented all 15 to some degree or the other and the management team went out of their way to put in all 15 of those I think there was one or two ridiculously stupid ones but um we did all of them oh, I tell you what it really challenged our management team and the staff okay. loved it because we said right you really wanted this one of the things they really wanted was um we have uniforms I think they're similar to yours we have like tunic uniforms and we have coats so that when it gets cold there's a lovely thick coat and the staff are allowed an underlayer if they want to, but they wanted a thinner coat so that one, it was doubly warm in the winter, but also they didn't have to wear the thick coat to clean in. It cost us a small fortune to then put in all um, soft shell jackets as well, because we're like, right, you will get two coats now. Um, and that was actually their biggest feedback. They were desperate for that. So that was an interesting one. It can be really useful. Yeah, we've had that over the years with tabards and aprons and things like that. And I think the key with it is, is if you're going to ask for feedback, be prepared to action it or let them know why you're not, because it can cause immense dissatisfaction if they you ask for all their ideas and then they perceive that you just ignored them. Do you know what I was given as a task in my early days? So it was my first graduate job straight out of uni. And um, I was given the admin team, the four people in the admin team. And they said, right, Louise, bearing in mind, I was what 22 at this stage. They were like, right, you, I've given you, we've got you this room. I had like a boardroom type thing. And I was to take the four admin staff and find out what all the problems were. And of course, I'd been in this business two months. I had no idea what I was really doing. And so I wrote a great big list of all their problems. And then all I could do would go to my manager and go, here you go. And she was like, that's not what I wanted you to do. I wanted you to resolve them. I was like, <laughs> or did solutions, not problems. <laughs> I was like, that was not in the brief. And I think I felt totally disempowered. They, of course, felt totally listened to because the manager then did nothing with this great big list of problems. And actually, I was the wrong person with the wrong skill and experience level at that point. And I think you've got to be very aware. If I'm now very aware that if I walk into that situation again, I will never put myself into that because it was just a whinge fest. And I was like, what is the point of this? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, don't do that. Yeah. I can't remember what the original question was now. Tailor your approach. Oh, no, <laughs> that was opinions and ideas. Yeah, okay, yeah. so uh, before I tell you what this is, Google, you know, Google, the company, yep. not Google is in the website. Well, it is um, in there. They've got sleep pods. They've got pool tables, uh, ping pong. I mean, there is so much fun in Google. OK, so number nine, help people enjoy work. What do you do? Yeah. And do you know what? I think this is one of the challenges in an industry that where people are out and about out all day and not in an office and often they're like you said they're working on their own it's quite hard to have team building which is what the google thing is about um it, it's quite hard to do that on a day-to-day -day basis when people are working remotely and i suppose companies have probably got the same thing now with people working from home doing office work but that's one of our challenges is building that team culture 
um because we can't do a pool table or you know but we do you know we, we do sort of social events and things like that with the team um but we also try and kind of make sure that they understand that that's what we're there for is to help and support them throughout the day but it is one of the big challenges so one of the things that obviously is highly encouraged is the casual conversations around the water cooler or the coffee <laughs> yes. machine now yeah. of course so what we did we have morning meetings the staff have one um as well as the management say so the staff one and we started bringing teas and coffees in we supplied them all with teas and coffees because we are over the road from greg's and what we found is our staff were spending two pounds on a cup of tea from greg's every day they were going to greg's more chat was happening in the queue for greg's greg's then knew exactly what was going on with all our customers and we're like let's get you back in the office and we'll provide it for free because we want people to chat um but yes, we very much recognised it was not helpful happening in Greg's. Yeah, because it's 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 outside of your control, I suppose, isn't it? As to the the environment or the how the conversations are going. But also, how do you manage though? Because most of our team don't start at the same time. They you all know, start at the same time. They'll have a window of 45 minutes usually when the team arrived. Some of them don't have school drop-offs to do. Some of them do. So it's all slightly different. And some of them start on different days of the week. So it's really, we we have struggled for years always to find one day of the week when everybody's in the office. They just are. So we do it every day. Um, and everybody works four days a week. So everybody works the same days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And yes, there's different start times. So those that start at 8th or 30, there's like five or six of them. And then some start at like 10 to 9, there's five or six of them. Then quarter yeah, yeah. past, and there's like five or six. I mean, there's so you always... have lots of different meetings then, is that? So they all have an individual meeting with the manager, but it's who they sit and chat with. So there are friendship groups. Okay. And those that start at 8.30, I'll be honest, will rarely know the ones that start at 9.15 unless something yeah. happens. So you do get clusters of people at various times. Yeah. Um, but So is it more about letting them get heard and kind of treating them to a... A, a cup a cup of tea type thing yeah so it's basically yeah. come in so they all work in pairs so you come in you wait for your partner you might be waiting five minutes I mean we're not going to partner someone who starts at 8 30 with someone who starts at 9 15 but 8 30 the next person might not turn up till 8 40 you know someone got in a little bit early so they sit and have a cup of tea and a chat and you know talk about whatever's happened that night that evening and you get to hear about you know I had a row with my partner oh my child did this and I love yeah. it I, love I think it. I think there's a culture there isn't it and we do this it's like the culture in the office in the morning is and the support team and the admin team that's their job is to make it all about them because they're the ones that are going to go out and sort of you know be cleaning houses all day and representing the business and yeah we need to be the ones that are there to listen it's not not about us at all we're a really we should be almost like seeing them off for the day in a really positive way that's our job but they want to know about us they want it you've got to be people as well but I've got to say it's really interesting because a lot of people when they start they often haven't worked for a while a lot of people that I would employ for example have been mums that are stuck at home so they want that social side it's so important to them um okay they're with one person they're meeting different people they're meeting clients but actually they like that chat they like to build up friendships and yeah. anyhow so right on to off final one diane and this is make all about you one. make it a good one <laughs> okay listen ask questions and listen so just for you diane the quieter you become the more you can hear it's easy to dismiss rumblings of discontent in the workplace but you need to address them open dialogue makes it easier to identify and fix problems as well as to ensure employees feel appreciated and acknowledged so how much are you listening asking questions and listening 
Do you know what? As a manager, that's probably your biggest skill to learn, isn't it? Is to sort of understand it from the other person's perspective. And you can only find that out by asking questions and listening. And, and you know, so I'm going to go on to disciplinaries because it's not a fun topic, but actually our disciplinaries are really quite positive because what happens is we say, look, this is what's happened. This is what you've been called in for. Tell us what's going on. Like what's really happening. There's never in a disciplinary, it has there never been a sort of extenuating circumstances. Now, whether we believe it and whether it's relevant is called other kettle of fish, but like there is normally always a reason. And actually I would say 70% of our disciplinaries come out with actually we put in a slightly different management plan. So for example, they reduce their hours, they reduce their days, this happens, yes. that happens. Um, but it's down to listening and communicating. And a lot of people don't want to bring things up, particularly if they're struggling. And I think being able as a manager to not just blow your top to actually go, no, let's listen. Even if it's inviting them in for a disciplinary, which can initially be quite scary, it's it's a dedicated space to talk about what's really going on. Yeah, and I, and I, that that's a really good approach because if you can, yeah, you, you've got to be honest and talk about what the problem is, but you're then, this meeting is to find out why this happened and how we can support you so it doesn't happen again. Um, I mean, that's usually the first stage. I mean, obviously, if it's gone further along, maybe the tone is slightly different, but the initial tone, it has to be nurturing and, and friendly. Otherwise, you're just going to get sort of defensiveness anyway and you're not going to resolve the problem and do you know what it might be a system issue it might be a problem in the business that's making this happen and it'll happen again if you don't fix it so it's better to have that open conversation and make it a an environment where they can be honest yeah it's hard isn't it though because as managers we want to be their friends we've talked about that openness but you know sometimes it does get to disciplinary before you can even start having that open conversation and it's it's an unusual situation, particularly when we're quite nice people. We haven't worked in that corporate environment, but then to have to bring that in into our friendly little business can be quite scary and hard. Yeah. And, you know, I think some of the, the best managers of, of people in, in the industry tend to be the sort of the mother hen type where it can be somebody that's a little bit bossy when needed to be and a bit firm. But Are also... you describing yourself, Diane? No, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. Um, but also that kind of can get to know their team a little bit and sort of start to understand them. But whilst keeping that, you know, I'm here to look after you, um, but also I'm here to get the best out of you. I think that can be quite a good skill. So we've had some male managers in ours, which again can be quite different because they they will listen to the gossip. But I, what I find is they don't tend to remember it. And I'll say, well, what happened? I don't know. They just talked about something, didn't they? And so it's a very different approach. It's very much like it almost just glosses over them. Like they don't remember it. And I'm going, are you part? Or I'll say, what actually is the problem? Oh, something to do with the kids. I don't know. And I'm like, no, we kind of need to know. But actually <laughs> yeah. that that there is that sort of staying out of it completely, even though they're part of the conversation, um, gives real consistency. Um, and so there is no accusation of favoritism because they probably don't remember what little thing and I think sometimes it's quite different management styles and techniques isn't it whereas I know how important what's going on out of work is and I will totally focus in on that I know some of our male managers have not done that in the past and I, I'm saying male I don't think it's gender biased I think actually it's just different management styles I want to get to the nitty-gritty I want to know their motivation I want to know why it's going on and I want to do anything I can in my power to help and that's not always right yeah, I'm not sure it's, it is gender uh, here. I think it's actually your 
personality profile yourself you know some of us are really task oriented and some of us are people oriented some of us are a mix but it's for managing a team you need to be more people oriented um, and those are the people that are going to nurture and ask questions whereas you're task oriented and I can be like that at times I just want to get it done and actually I forget that there are people involved in that equation um, and I've had to learn that as a skill that I need to adapt because yeah it's people not objects yeah they've got to be able to approach you and okay so those were our 10 sort of guidelines as to management hard to apply but then I wonder whether they'd be hard to apply in any industry I think so I think management you know obviously you know we've studied it and you know the the sort of the the, the rules or the, the the theory around managing people and what motivates them it all applies in any industry I think you've just got to be more aware that you're you know doing it in your particular business and just adapt yeah and we've got a masterclass coming up on this haven't we yeah. in a few you'll totally know this there's quite a lot more that we're going to cover some more on flexi time motivating staff Uh, better systems so we're going to talk around a lot more actual practical applications of management but yes that's a bit of an idea as to why corporate management um corporate management is based on working in an office and we just don't and i think what's interesting though is over the pandemic obviously maybe corporate management techniques will have to change and have to involve remote working flexi time things that maybe in the past and i definitely know when i studied it it didn't really take those into account. It was sort of a glossed over five minutes. A nice HR practice might be flexi time. But, you know, that's just for those mums over there that aren't really going anywhere. Or it's a different <laughs> world now. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, I remember flexi time was just you started earlier and finished earlier. I'm not sure that was really flexi time other than you just had a different start and finish date. <laughs> you could no. date time, you could choose it, but it was still not quite what we would now think of as business owners as flexi time. Is there flexi time as business owners? Well, all all of time is flexible, isn't it? I think it's a reality. <laughs> yeah. When am I not working? The only time I'm not working is when I'm asleep. <laughs> so perfect. Thank you very, very much, Diane. Lovely to speak to everyone. Um, and if you would like to join the DCBN and come and join these live on the masterclass and go into more depth and more study, please join. And all DCBN members, we look forward to seeing you on the next masterclass. Bye.